Morning, church. My name is Jeremy. I'll be reading our passage today. Um, if you have one of these uh, black hardbound Bibles that are in the back there uh, for you to pick up, those uh, pages 955, we are going to be reading 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 19. Again, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, please grab one. That is our gift to you. The passage again is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 19. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. This is the word of the Lord. Um, so as we were just singing that last song, uh, I, was really, I was really just kind of overwhelmed. Um, I don't know how the spirit moved in your heart and mind in that moment. But just as a pastor, as someone that has known many of you for a really long time and heard many of your stories and, and has walked with some of you, you know, even right now, um, I, I was just really overwhelmed uh, by the amount of suffering that um, just people I know and love and uh, in my own life and uh, my family. Um, it, and I, I was thinking about this passage and... Uh, even the, uh, one of the ideas I had, even to start off with, was kind of just this overall theology of suffering. And I'm just going to kind of move past that. To be honest with you, it wasn't that great anyway, so you're not missing much. Uh, but uh, there's just this first word in this passage, and it's what, it's what kind of the Spirit just welled up in, within me as a desire for you. Um, it's just that word, Beloved. Um, I, I just think of Peter's pastoral shepherding heart. He's about to acknowledge and walk people through the reality of suffering in their life. And he just uses this little word to start. It's just beloved. Uh, I mean, obviously, we all have different temptations and suffering, but that's one of a significant one. It's like, God, do you really love me? Why, why are you allowing this to happen? What's, what's going on here? And, uh, and, and I, I just felt like that's what, that's what I felt in my heart was um, I just in just that, that desire for you to feel that for you as God's people, for you as someone who trusts in Jesus to know that you're loved. Uh, and in particular, as you consider the hard things that you have experienced, the hard things in your life that continue to haunt you, continue to be a struggle, 
uh, the hard things in your life that you're experiencing right now. Some of you may be in the, the throes of the most difficult suffering you've ever experienced. Um, and, and what does it mean to you? Are you able to hear that? Are you able to receive those words from the Lord? I love you. Um, and, and one of the ways we prayed as a staff this week and prayed in pre-service prayer this morning that I, I think even accompanies that is just the idea that, that, that Jesus sees you. That he, he's not unaware of your suffering. He's not unaware of how you're responding or struggling with your suffering. I think about these different sufferings in my life where sometimes I've like been so close to Jesus in the midst of some of the depths of suffering. It's been really sweet. And sometimes I feel like I'm going freaking crazy. Like I'm just losing my mind because I can't come to grips with what's going on in this area of my life. Something's being withheld from me. Things are happening. I'm suffering from people's decisions. And it just feels really hard. And I have no no idea what to do, and, and I really, really struggle. And, and Jesus, in both of those situations, sees me and knows me and loves me, tends to me, cares for me, has loved me perfectly, regardless of the way I'm responding. Um, just that we are beloved. It, it does uh, bring to mind, I'm going to flip to, Exodus 2, just another picture of this. Israel had suffered, suffered greatly. Kind of that suffering that it's hard for us to wrap our minds around and, and really come to grips with. Um, suffered more than many of us will ever suffer. Um, and then I think of at the end of Exodus 2, it says, During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered. God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. That's that, that word beloved is, is full of those kinds of realities, that, that God sees you and God knows. God knows. God knows how you're doing. He knows how you're not doing. Um, and so I hope we can be comforted by that. Like even as we think about the suffering that Peter is going to talk about with us, that we can just know that as we think about suffering in our life, we do it from the context of loved and seen by God. And so I think it is even, uh, again, we were going to ask two questions, but I'm going to narrow it down just to one question. We we're going to ask the question of where does suffering come from? Um, and so maybe we'll talk about that another date. Uh, but, and I really was going to kind of back up from First Peter because Peter's not really talking about that, but that's just a good question to wrestle with. If you're a thinking person, you have to, you have to come to grips with suffering and how to, how to make sense of it. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, the Bible does not answer every question we have about suffering. Uh, the Bible's not incredibly uh, concerned with answering every question we have about suffering. Um, but it has, it, we do have to kind of work with that, but the, what Peter is getting at and what we'll focus on is what, what's the point of Christians suffering? Peter's speaking exclusively to Christians that are suffering. 
And, and the reality is the Bible does have a lot to say about that. So we, it doesn't, again, it doesn't answer every question about the particular sufferings that each of us have gone through, each of us go through. Um, it, when, I, when I'm overwhelmed by the suffering that I was thinking about within uh, just our little body here, like, again, the, the Bible doesn't answer every aspect and every question that I would have about all of those particular sufferings. Uh, but, it, but it does say a lot. It does say a lot about suffering. Um, and mainly it points us to a God that suffered. Um, and, and that's the comfort we get as we uh, turn to the scriptures. And so we'll just look at this passage as loved. We'll hear those words from, from Peter that he's giving to those in Asia Minor that are suffering and struggling with all kinds of different things. And so we'll hear that word from the Holy Spirit to us in this moment that you are beloved, that we are a beloved people. And then we'll consider what he has for us as uh, we think about suffering. If you haven't realized it, I haven't done a good job, but First Peter is about suffering. Like the whole of the book is about Christian suffering. And so maybe you haven't figured that out to this point, and I'm sorry, should have done better. Uh, but if you, in the future, like, man, I'm suffering, I'm struggling, go to First Peter. This is what, this is the, like, I mean, even if you just look at all the scriptures, I read Exodus, it's hard to turn the page and not see suffering in the Bible. Like the, the Bible is not silent about suffering. It, it says uh, a whole lot. And so, and, and everything it says, again, it's not meant to answer every question you have, but it's actually meant to be a comfort to you. Uh, what the Bible says about suffering is meant to be a comfort and be a help to us as we suffer. And so that's what obviously Peter is doing here with the, the Christians uh, in Asia Minor is helping them. I think about 1 Peter 2, 21. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. And so we're going to see uh, what that looks like through uh, 1 Peter 4, uh, 12 through 19. So again, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Um, and here's the reality that we see from this verse is that that suffering that we've experienced that suffering, the, the reality, to, like to live is to suffer. Suffer is a common. Peter's trying to help us understand that it's not like we shouldn't be surprised. Uh, and he says, like, we always hear this, it's not if, it's when. Suffering is going to happen. It's going to come into all of our lives. Um, and I think it's important for us to realize, again, he's, he's wanting us to be encouraged. He wanted us to be comforted because sometimes, and def this is definitely my tendency, is we can tend towards cynicism there. It's like, man, everything's always the worst. If it gets any better at all, then praise God. Um, and that's not the life. He's not asking us to be Eeyore, who I kind of love, because he's just so, he's like, yeah, of course this happened to me. Um, but, uh, but that's not what the scriptures are encouraging us uh, towards. It's not that kind of cynicism that everything's uh, always bad. Um, he... Uh, yeah, that's not what he's doing. Peter is reminding us of Jesus' teaching here in John 15, 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. And here's the deal. This, uh, this kind of suffering, whether it's from persecution or I think even that term fiery trial. So first Peter, again, is often talking about Christians suffering for the name of Jesus, like suffering, actual suffering because of 
we are Christians, and, and we'll talk about that. But I think even Peter makes it a little broader here when he talks about the different kinds of fiery trials uh, that come into our life. But here's the other thing, is that when we're Christians, even though, you know, even though just the natural suffering that comes into our life, whether from sickness or natural disaster or other people's decisions or the suffering that we have obviously no control over as Christians, because we're Christians, there is a way to suffer as a Christian in those areas. And that what, that's what... Uh, Peter is going to encourage us towards. And, and then I think we have a phrase here that we have to deal with as Christians because it, it almost seems counterintuitive. And I think obviously that's why when Peter says we're beloved, he says, but don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes to test you. Um, so that there's something testing about suffering. And, and that, that's, that's a concept that can go sideways real quickly in, in the life of the Christian. Uh, one, how, how's that like if he if he's, loves me, why, why is he testing me with these hard things uh, in my life? Uh, how, how, does, how do those uh, work together? What, what is God doing when he is testing us? Uh, but here's the reality that we do know about suffering. Suffering exposes what is present in our life. Like that's what, whenever suffering comes into our life, it, it's kind of what, you know, that kind of age-old saying, you know, what, what comes out of something when you squeeze it is what was already in it. And suffering, when we're squeezed, when we're pressed, when we're uh, pushed in from all sides, it's going to expose what's going on um, in our, our lives. And here's the deal. We don't always like what we see. When suffering comes into our lives, we, we, we get exposed, and, and that, that can be really hard. Uh, again, I've just talked about those different seasons in my life. There's been times where I've been pressed with suffering and felt like a, a, an incredible nearness to Jesus and other times where I've been pressed and seen the, the, just the horrors of my own sin that were exposed. The things that I'm clinging to, the things that I th really think are gonna bring me comfort that are withheld or uh, not going my way and, and I'm clawing and scratching for them uh, in, every, in every way. But here's, here's one of the ways I think this can go wrong in the life of the Christian as we think of suffering testing us. Because um, here's, this is like we all want to suffer well. And, and that's a, even a phrase that's, that's used often in the life of the church. And, and it's not a bad phrase to, to suffer uh, well, but it, it, can be, it can be really, it can really short circuit, I think, how we experience suffering uh, in our lives. Because what we can do is because we want to suffer well, we just go straight to the, to the I'm just going to give God glory for all of these hard things coming into uh, my life without actually being honest about the real hardness about all the things that are happening in your life. And so we jump to the platitudes of, hey, I'm just trusting God in this. I'm just going to pray about this. Oh, God's going to be, God's, God's going to do this. God's going to do that. And we haven't actually been honest with the Lord about anything that we're actually uh, experiencing. And so we just jump to uh, the platitudes because we want to suffer well. We want to pass the test. We want to do really good on this test. Um, or, or, but here's the other thing. We can do the other extreme. We can like, hey, I hate platitudes. I hate cheesy Christian sayings. And so I'm just going to be raw and honest with actually, actually no plan of trusting the Lord. Like I'm just like, hey, my raw, rawness and honesty about this suffering. And we just stay there forgetting that all of those platitudes are usually God's truth. Usually, actually, the places we should desire to get to uh, with our lives. We should desire to trust God. That's how Peter's going to end this little passage, to, to entrust our souls to a faithful God. 
Like that, those are the, any, almost any platitude should be a place that we desire to get to uh, as Christians, uh, but we get there by being honest about what's going on. We can't fake getting there. We can't, uh, hey, I'm going to suffer well. I'm suffering well. Uh, it, it, even if, as you think about all the Psalms, here's the beautiful thing about the Psalms. They have both of those. You know what we don't have in the Psalms often is how long it took the psalmist to get there. Uh, we, we really don't know that. It could have been weeks. It could have been months. It could have been years and a lifetime of looking back and, and seeing and, and considering and crying out and needing and desiring and then coming to trust and ask God to do uh, what only he can do. And so even as we think about suffering testing us as beloved children, as, as God loves us, he sees us, and he knows us, and he knows what's going on in our heart and lives. It's not this, uh, me and Ginger were just talking to our kids the other day, like how grades can be unhelpful, they can create pride, they can create shame, uh, and they're, they're good, they, they, they can be fine as well. But it's not that we don't need to think about this kind of test. Like, it's not like, because, oh, man, I suffered well, and, and look at me, or, or I, I can't handle this at all. And, and then shame is added to uh, the struggle. The, the test that God is, is uh, putting us through is, is all to push us to uh, verses uh, 13 and 14. Like, this is the test. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And that what, what Peter is saying here and what the rest of the Bible confirms is that there is a unique fellowship, a unique union that we have with Jesus present in our suffering that we actually don't get in any other way. That, that there's, this, there's this fellowship with Jesus that is unique to those moments of suffering as we share in his suffering and he shares uh, in our suffering as the Spirit of God, as the Spirit of Jesus is inside us in the midst of that suffering. That there's a, there's a, that's the, it's like the, the one thing that we should consider in regards to Christian suffering is that we get to be with Jesus. That we get united to him, we get to relate to him, we get to enjoy him, we get to know him, we get to rejoice in him. Like when we talks about rejoicing in our suffering, it's not rejoicing that this bad thing happened to you, it's rejoicing that you have a God that is with you in it. That you can, you can cry out to someone that knows. Uh, sometimes I, I, well, I just, if, if you're someone that struggles to engage your suffering, you have suffering in your life, you all, we all do. But you struggle to look at it, and you struggle to engage it, you struggle to be honest about it. I just want you to get this picture. This picture of Jesus sitting there in your suffering. You may be sitting on a bench. He's saying, come. Come have fellowship with me here. Come, come join me in your suffering. I'm here. I want to be with you. I want you to be with me. I want you to, to, to have sweet fellowship with me in the midst of this hardness. I know it's hard. I know, I know it more than you know it. And I want to comfort you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to hold your hand. I want to be with you in the midst of the suffering. If you're someone that struggles to engage your suffering, you're often passing up that fellowship with Jesus. Maybe as you suffer well. Missing the, the suffering Savior that's there for you and with you 
uh, in the midst of it all. That's what this test is to, is to help us see and savor and consider and know and, and run after and, and cling to Jesus as our, as our only hope, as we have unanswered questions, as we're not sure. Because again, the Bible is not concerned about answering every one of our questions, but the Bible does give an answer to our suffering, and it is this, this Savior. This one who is there with us, the one who has suffered for us, the one who has suffered so we can cry out to someone who relates, but also the one who, who redeems our suffering. Because none of us suffer perfectly. Um, and, and Jesus suffered that we could be redeemed even from the ways that we uh, sin in the midst of our own suffering. And so that's what, as you think of suffering, as you think of suffering as a Christian, what you should think of is your union with Christ, your fellowship with Jesus in the midst of the suffering. If there's anything to take away, it's like, well, I get to, I get to know Jesus better in the midst of suffering. I hate this. I hate that this has happened. I would never choose this, but Jesus, I want you. I want more of you and whatever this is. That, that's the Christian response to suffering. That's the test that, that, that Peter is hoping for us to be exposed in. Not all of these things are being exposed and we get to cling to Jesus. And then Peter's wise, so he, he realizes that we, we need to be careful about the way we talk about suffering. Verse 15, we don't always uh, look to Jesus and suffer and we don't always suffer innocently. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. I think about even just my life this week, I, I had both of these things going on. I realized kind of a new way, just some of the way my relationships suffer because I love and follow Jesus. Like if I did not follow Jesus, if I was not a Christian, there's relationships in my life that would be better. Um, but because I do love and follow Jesus, there are certain relationships in my life that are just hard and uh, difficult. So I realized that, and that's kind of a suffering that I can turn to Jesus in. But then I also um, experience some uh, suffering in a relationship because of my own sin. I said something to Ginger out of my sin. It was actually sin and bitterness that I didn't even realize was there until she kind of helped me see that. Um, and, uh, and there was some conflict in marriage. And there was, I mean, that, that just creates suffering. If you're, you know, you're married, you realize the, the discomfort. Conflict in marriage is suffering. Uh, but I wasn't suffering, you know, because of someone else's sin. I wasn't suffering from a natural disaster. I was suffering uh, as an evildoer in that moment because of my own sin and speaking out of that uh, to my wife. And here's, again, the beautiful thing is Jesus covers and pays. For, he's my only hope in either of those situations. Um, to go to him and confess and pray and consider and feel his sweet mercy and grace and forgiveness. Or even to give him glory that, God, I, I choose you over the ease of these relationships. God, I want you. I acknowledge this is hard and is a struggle, but, but I desire you more than having good relationships uh, in my life in both of those different ways uh, that we suffer. So obviously Peter is saying not all suffering is innocent. And some suffering, because Peter is attaching, attaching suffering to God's glory, that there's a way to give God glory with the suffering that goes on in our life. But verse 15 is suffering as we seek for our own glory. That's what's going on here. There's evil, there's sin, there's meddlers, there's murderers. There are people that are desiring their own ends by their own means, and they're looking for their own glory, and they're suffering at the, at the hands of the decisions uh, they have made. Um, and here, here's the thing I think we should consider. 
as you think about suffering in your life, as you think about the more unawareness we have about the sin in our life, the more we're going to be doing this. Like if we are just unaware, so we're, we're all going to go to our grave with sin we're unaware of. So let's get that. That's, that's, the, that's the best case scenario. But in this life, we do walk around at times in life more unaware of sin. And that we should desire to be aware as much as possible as the sin that goes on in our life. And the more unaware we are of sin, the more we're going to blame suffering on other people when it's actually our own sinful decisions. Like we are, we are the one, we can be Eeyore in that way. Like there's a way that, I didn't mean to talk about Eeyore this much, uh, but he is, he's not walking around in a sanctified way. It's not like he is loving Jesus and responding to life as God would have him and clinging to Jesus in his suffering. So here's a question for you. Do you have anybody in your life that loves Jesus and loves you enough to talk about your sin? Do you have one person? Do you have two people? Do you have anyone in your life that loves you, loves Jesus, and you actually talk about your sin with? If you don't have that at all, you're unaware of sin. You are definitely more unaware than you realize you are. And you're likely to be on this cycle of verse 15 of suffering for the sin in your life. That's not the only way you're suffering, surely. But the more unaware you are, the more you'll continue to repeat this verse. And so if you don't have anyone like that in your life, it should be an emergency. Like it should be, my hair is on fire. I need to find this. I need, to, I need to leave today. I need to figure this out. I need to pray. I need to consider. I need to ask someone. I need to go to Jake. I need to go to Rand. I need to, I need to figure out someone in my life that loves Jesus and loves me enough to talk about my sin so that I'm not just repeating this cycle of verse 15 that Peter is trying to uh, warn us away from. Yet, in verse 16, so he transitions back to, um, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, so not as an evildoer, but as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God uh, in the name. Again, is there a relational suffering because you're a Christian? Have you suffered persecution for your faith? These are opportunities to glorify God and look for opportunities of 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. The one, of the, one of the aspects of Christian uh, suffering is as a testimony, as a testimony to our faith. Like when Christians suffer, there is a way, like the, the Bible equips us in such a way to be honest, to be real. We're not, we're not just washing over things or covering over struggles in our life. But as in that honesty, in that realness, there is a way to give glory to God in the midst of our suffering. And that says something. That says something about how uh, we suffer. Every, any philosophy that you adhere to says something about how you deal with suffering. And the scriptures are clear that there's this kind of witness to uh, the outside world with Christians that suffer. Um, and again, whether if you're a Buddhist, you think all of life is suffering and you think suffering is about uh, desire. And so if you get rid of all desire, uh, then you won't suffer anymore. And as soon as you get rid of all desire, you actually don't exist anymore because you've reached uh, nirvana. And that's their explanation uh, of suffering. Obviously, if you're an atheist, it's just matter and chance over time. And there's no really rhyme or reason. It's just going to continue to happen. Um, and so there's no really explanation. It's just a, a reality. 
And so there's something about Christian suffering that communicates what we believe to be true about the universe, about who God is, and about who he's making us to be as his people. So it's an opportunity to glorify God uh, in that name as we suffer for being uh, a Christian. And then Peter points to kind of just the eternal realities um, that come with suffering in verse 17. For it is time, I'm sorry, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel? If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? And, and really what Peter is talking about, he's talking about the judgment beginning at the household of God. To be honest with you, I think we kind of take this verse out of context uh, at times when we're like, hey, we should, I mean, we should be honest about the flaws of the church. But Peter knows that judgment for Christians fell on Jesus Christ. Like that's where, that's how judgment began. Like judgment for the household of God is judgment that we are um, escaping because the judgment fell on Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection. Uh, Peter is really putting suffering in the redemptive context here of what God is doing in the world. Those that don't believe the gospel and find that, find, don't, that don't find themselves hidden in Christ will face God's judgment on their own, outside of Christ, outside of God's shielding. Um, and those that uh, do, those that do uh, belong to the household of God will be hidden in Christ. Um, and I love Peter's just acknowledgement, quoting Proverbs here, but he applies it to he acknowledged that it's not easy for people to be saved. That's kind of the idea. If the righteous is scarcely saved, he's basically, it's, it's really hard for people to be saved. And maybe if we've been around the Christian world for a while, the miraculous nature of that is, is lost on us. Me and Randy were even just talking this week about the miracle that we're praying for God to do. And I'm like, man, we are two miracles. That God would say that we would lay down our pride and humbly uh, put like, man, God does miracles. Look at us. Look at you. Like it's not easy for someone to come to faith. It's not easy for someone to, lay, to, to confess, man, everything I've been doing, every part of my desires that are natural within me are actually opposed to you. And I'm going to lay those down and I'm going to pick up my cross and I'm going to follow you, Jesus. That, that is a miraculous reality. That, that by God's grace, the Spirit and His power has opened our eyes to the beauty uh, of this truth. And we, we have done that uh, very thing. But, but the miraculous nature of it should, should not be lost on us. And obviously, if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly uh, and the sinner? Ultimately, our suffering will draw us near to God. Or we will suffer separation from the very one who made us for eternity. Uh, will suffer with Christ, in Christ, or will suffer outside of him. The, 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 all of history, all of suffering, all of everything hinges on what we do uh, with this Jesus who's given his life, who's resurrected for our sake. And then in, in light of this eternal perspective, Peter exhorts us in verse 19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. It's just what Jesus did. Jesus entrusted his life to his Father. And he's calling us to, to do the very same. And so I, I want us to just consider and dwell on that main point of suffering. That, that when we suffer as Christians, 
We, we have the opportunity, we have the responsibility, we have the joy to rejoice in our union with Christ. And so if you think again about the suffering you have experienced, suffer, suffering you are experiencing, where does fellowship and union with Jesus capture you there? Does it fall flat? Is it like, man, that, that does, that's not a big deal to me at all. Again, that's exposing that this suffering is the most important thing uh, in your life. And here's the deal, guys. We've been through great suffering. So I'm not minimizing the suffering. But what we do when we say that is we minimize who God is. And we minimize the, the, the opportunity to have fellowship with him. So, so even if you think about if Jesus and union with him falls flat in regards to the suffering you're experiencing, it's not that you're, uh, you need to take that suffering less serious. It's just, oh wait, I'm missing something about how Christians are called to suffer. I'm missing something about how real and intimate that I, this opportunity I get to fellowship and be with Jesus in this way. And you need to consider that anew. You need a Holy Spirit that you, you are in me and working through me and in me. Would you help me see and consider Jesus uh, in this way? That's what it means to, uh, for those who suffer according to God's will to entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. What a simple phrase. Uh, that As we suffer in this life, my God, I'm just going to entrust myself to you. Come what may, whatever does or doesn't happen, whatever answers I left unanswered, whatever questions I have about why is evil even present in this world? Why does suffering even happen? What, 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 what's going on there? Regardless of whether I've kind of figured those things out or not, I'm going to entrust my soul to you and seek to be faithful to you, seek to be honest about what's going on in my life and the suffering that I'm experiencing but also seek to, to have fellowship with you in a way that actually gives you glory. Um, the, uh, the, we, we need to be repentant in this life. Like repentance is just a major theme of the scriptures. But sometimes if we only focus on repentance, we miss God's comfort. We miss the comfort that God has for us in our affliction. That's, and it's in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 1, that God has comfort for you in your affliction. And if you think, man, I'm just not, maybe even you can look at your life and think, I'm really bad at offering that comfort. It means you're probably pretty bad at receiving that comfort from the Lord. Like, you know it's there, you know, theologically it's there, but like in your actual life, with the actual things you're struggling with, what does it look like to actually receive the beloved gaze of God? For you to believe that in that suffering, you are beloved, you're cared for, you're known, you're seen. Um, that's, that's what the, the call and the fellowship of, with Jesus and suffering is. I think about the, just the eternal realities and when we step across the shore of eternity and look back on our life, we, will, true, we truly will see that God has tended to and led us in the only way that would actually lead us back to Him. We'll see His infinite wisdom and the suffering we've experienced and how the beautiful picture of our lives that's so confusing in many moments now is just another one of his redemptive masterpieces. And we get to look forward to that day. Let me pray for us in that way.
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Lord Jesus, we just acknowledge there's nowhere to go for comfort but to you. And we confess before you that there are so many things in our suffering that we turn to for comfort. We turn to the answer of every question that we could possibly have. We turn to the desires of our flesh to appease the hardness and the pain. And so we confess those things as insufficient, as here today and gone tomorrow, as fleeting, as leaving us uh, more dry and more wanting than when we went to them in the first place. And Jesus, we confess that you are the only true source of comfort. What you offer us is eternal. And so, Spirit, would you, we're, we're so varied, we have so many different experiences, we have so many different struggles and so many different aspects of suffering and all of our different lives. And so, Spirit, would you do this work in us? Uh, would you make us a people um, that, that look, even as we maybe lay down even just the idea of suffering well and pick up the idea of suffering with Jesus? Spirit, would you do that in us? We could be honest with Jesus, we could cry with Jesus. Think of all the things that we would say, but that we don't say, but He knows. Would we, would we be honest about even those? Not that they're right, but they're present in our hearts. There's accusations, there's struggles, there's anger, there's fear. And we, we try to clean it up. And Jesus, you, you tell us to come to you. You tell us you're there in that. You tell us that for whatever aspects of those things that are sinful, you paid for even that. So we can come to you and we can be honest. But we need help. And so Spirit, would you, would you help us? Would you help us even now as we sing and respond to, to you, Jesus? Uh, would you help us that, that honesty begin to well up? Um, would we almost be able to do nothing else but to, to be honest with you as we seek you in the midst of suffering? Help us for Christ's name and for his glory, we pray. Amen.